But it is New Year's, and glad that you're here, and uh, looking forward to what God has in store. For those who do not know me, I'm one of the pastors here, Shannon Ford. Our pastor is away, uh, spent some time on vacation, so pray, continue to pray for him and, and, win, and uh, Susan as they go through their journey that they're on. Um, but glad that you're here, and glad that you've chosen to be a part of our service today. We're going to be in the book of Acts, so I want you to go ahead and encourage you to turn to Acts. <clears throat> We're going to focus primarily on Acts chapter 9, but before we do that, uh, as you saw in the video, all these resolutions, and, and I'm, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with resolutions, and many of you may have made some for, for 2018. You may have a New Year's resolution that you're going to eat healthy, you're going to eat right, you're going to try to diet, or you're going to exercise, or maybe you've got a New Year's resolution to, to save money. I, I don't know. And those things are all fine. There's nothing wrong with making a New Year's resolution. But let me ask you a question. What about a spiritual New Year's resolution? Have you made that? Maybe it's you need to read your Bible more. Maybe you need to, to get serious about prayer and spend more time in prayer. Get serious about church attendance. Get serious about growing in your faith. Well, I want to give you another spiritual resolution for you for 2018. I want you to leave your comfort zone for the new year. And you need to understand, because I know this, all Christians have a comfort zone. It may look different for some than others, but you know what I'm talking about, that little area where you like to be, that area where you're comfortable, where life is good, life is convenient, everything is good about your comfort zone. Well, I want to talk to you this morning about stepping outside that comfort zone. And you may be going, ooh, I don't know about this. Let me tell you something. God wants to use you in a mighty way. And oftentimes, he can't use you because you refuse to step out of your zone and be used by him. You like things to be easy. I, I'll do this. I, I'll talk about this, but I'm not going to talk about Jesus Christ. I, I'll talk about my church, but I'm not going to talk about what he's done in my life. That, that's, just, that, that's just not who I am. I'm not comfortable doing that. Well, I want to ask you, please, to reconsider. Because the problem with many churches today is that we have a lot of what I call sit and soak Christians. All they do is come Sunday after Sunday, they sit and they soak and they sit and they soak. That's not what the New Testament is about. The New Testament is about Christians who go and tell. And I want to encourage you in 2018 to stop sitting and soaking and start going and telling the good news of Jesus Christ. But to do that, you're going to have to step out of your comfort zone. Yeah, it's going to be messy, at times uncomfortable, but that's when God can really begin to use you in a mighty way. I have learned the hard lesson that God doesn't want you to be comfortable I wish he would have consulted me on this, because I like it when it's comfortable and easy. That's not what God wants for your life. He doesn't want you to be comfortable. He wants you to be obedient. And sometimes that, oftentimes that requires you stepping out of your comfort zone. 
I would even go on along that uh, quote up there and say that God doesn't want you to be comfortable. He wants you to be conformable to the image of his son. And to conform you, he's got to do some work in you. But God wants to use you in a mighty, mighty way. And to do that, you're going to have to leave your comfort zone in 2018. And I love what uh, Andy Stanley said, Charles Stanley's son. Stepping outside your comfort zone is not a careless irresponsibility, but a necessary act of obedience. I know some of you, as I was talking about comfort zone and leaving your comfort zone, you had these thoughts, oh, Lord, he wants me to go to Africa or give up all my money. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about walking across the street and talking to your neighbor. See, many of us don't even know who our neighbors are. We drive into our little houses, we drop down our garage door, and that's it. Get out there and engage. Find out who your neighbors are. God may be calling you to step out of your comfort zone and go across the street and talk to that neighbor. That neighbor who may be far from Christ, who may be going through a terrible uh, relational problem in their life, financial problem, they need somebody to come alongside them, somebody to love them, somebody to tell them that there is hope, and that hope is Jesus Christ. So, take the necessary act of obedience. Go across the street. Get out of your comfort zone. And John Maxwell is right when he said, if we are growing— if we are growing in our faith, if we're growing in our walk with the Lord, we're always going to be outside our comfort zone. Now, Lynn, again, I, I see your faces out there. Some of you, you don't like to leave your comfort zone. You like your comfort zone. Life is good there, but you're not growing there. You're not growing. God wants you to step out of your comfort zone so he can use you in a mighty way. He can grow you and build you to be the person he wants you to be. Well, you may be asking, I'm not sure I'm in my comfort zone. I think I may be out. Well, let me just ask you a couple questions to see where you are. If you're in your comfort zone, it's a place where we focus on our likes and our conveniences more than we focus on Christ. And I see this more and more in churches today, this consumerism mentality. I don't like this. I don't like that. I don't like this. I don't like that. Listen, when has it ever been about you? It's about him. And, and to go around and say, I'm not going to do that because I don't like that. Oh, listen, I, 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 can't, I can't change my Sunday schedule afternoon and night. I, I can't take a class or whatever. I, that's just not convenient for me. Well, then, if that's kind of responses that you have at times, guess what? You're living inside your comfort zone. Maybe uh, in your comfort zone, is, you're there because you failed to deny self which we just saw in that video, Luke 9, 23. We must deny ourselves, take up our cross daily, and follow him. You know, we live in this society now that's all about selfies. I don't even know how to do a selfie. So don't ever come ask me to do a selfie, because I don't even know how to do one. But I see them all the time. Self. Take a picture of self, self, self. It's all about self. There's no denying yourself. It's all about raising up yourself. You know, talking about self-pleasure and self-admiration. I'm talking about self-satisfaction. All these things where, where you all, it's all about you. If, if it's all about you and not about Christ, guess what? You're still in a comfort zone. 
You had not taken a step out of that yet. And third, our comfort zone is where we limit our commitment. Yeah, we might do this, but we're not going to do it for much. We're not going to do it for a long time. I, I'm just, I, I don't want to do that. I, I'll give you what little bit I can. I, I may can come to church once every month. That's, that's going to be about all I can give you. That's the commitment I can give you. Now, if you're limiting your commitment when it comes to the area of Christ and walking with Christ, um, you're still in your comfort zone. So today I want to talk to you about getting out of that comfort zone. Because see, when we are comfortable, we are less likely to move. God's plan for our lives always requires movement. Always. Go back and read the Gospels. Christ was always going and telling. He was always moving, engaging with people. He didn't sit in some high chair in Jerusalem and expect everybody to come to him. He went out among the crowds. Again, are you going to be a sit and soak Christian in 2018? Are you going to be a go and tell Christian? That's what what I'm encouraging you today. Take that step out of your comfort zone so that you can become like Christ and be that go and tell Christian. And you may be saying, well, Shannon, I, I can't do that. I, you don't know how hard it is for me to, to walk across the street and talk to a neighbor that I don't know or a neighbor that maybe not, doesn't even like me. I, I can't do that. And I say, you know what? You're right. You can't do that. See, God calls us out of this comfort zone so that we can rely on him to do in and through us what we cannot do ourselves. That's the beauty of this. Let Christ work in you. He wants to do amazing things in your life. But you are so stuck in your comfort zone, God can't do those things. Until you surrender, take that step out of your comfort zone. And I I'm tr- encourage you, please, leave that comfort zone in 2018. Because when God takes you out of your comfort zone, amazing things happen. He stretches your boundaries. And I love in our mission statement, it says, across the street and around the world. I, I've seen God in my life do amazing things. And I'm using that word too much. I'm going to stop. But it is, when I think about where I've been, the things that I've done, where I've spoken, it's, it's just mind-blowing that God would do that. But he wants to stretch your boundaries. He, he has so much, his purpose and his plan for your life requires you to do so much more than you're doing right now. And he wants to stretch your boundaries. And that's the great thing about leaving your comfort zone. And also, you see him at work. See him use you in just amazing ways. And as I was thinking about that, and I don't see Greg Pendarvis. He may be, he may be out of town. But I thought about Victory Sports. There's Sean. I know he's heavily in that. Victory Sports. Wow, what a great testimony of somebody stepping out of their comfort zone and starting a ministry that God put on their heart, a ministry that has impacted thousands of children. Just because, you know what? He took a step. He got out of his comfort zone, and God used him in an amazing way. But also, he wants you to get out of your comfort zone so that you can learn in what it means to really depend on him. See, anything you can do on your own is just religious activity. But when you, when you start re- doing things that you can only do through the power of Christ, 
Wow, that's true ministry. So he wants you to get out of your comfort zone. He wants you to seek dependence on him. And as we're going to, as I talk about this, the biblical example I want to use is found in Acts chapter 9, one of the most famous chapters of all the New Testament. Uh, But let me give you a little background before we get in there. Uh, We're going to be looking today at a man named Ananias, but I need to give you a little background uh, on this passage um, before we get into the verses. Um, Two people are involved in in this story besides God, and that's Saul, before he was Paul, and Ananias. Now, you may not know much about Saul before he became Paul. We know Paul. Name was changed later in Acts. Paul was this incredible church planner, incredible church missionary, went on mission trips all over Asia and Europe. Incredible man, started churches, wrote more books in the New Testament than any other person. But see, before he became that incredible church planner missionary, he was Saul, and he was a persecutor of the church. He hated Christians, and he hated church. In fact, just if you can, turn your Bibles a couple pages back to Acts 7. This is not on the screen, but let me just read a couple verses from Acts 7 and Acts 8 to kind of give you an idea just who this man was. You You see him first introduced in the stoning of Stephen, who was the first martyr in the New Testament. The Bible says in verses 58 and 59, then they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul as they're stoning Stephen. Acts 8.1, and Saul approved of Stephen's execution. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church. Acts 8.3, But Saul was ravaging the church, entering house after house. He dragged off men. He dragged off women and committed them to prison. And Paul, as he later reflected on his life in Galatians 1.13, for you have heard of my former life in Judaism and how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. This is the man that we're talking about in our passage today. Saul. The most evil man of his time. Hated the church. Tried his best to destroy the church. Dragging off men and women. Taking them back to Jerusalem. Putting them in prison. Sometimes killing them. This is a man who hated Christians. And this is the man involved in our story today. So when you kind of have that background, now let's move to Acts 9. I'm going to read the first Nine verses as some more background, and then we'll get into our message beginning in Acts 9.10. So follow along with me as I read uh, from verse 1 of Acts chapter 9. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked them for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, the capital way, the way, the truth, the life of Jesus Christ, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. Please understand just how evil this man was and how much he hated Christians. Continue on in the story, verse 3. As he neared Damascus, on his journey, 
suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. He replied, now, now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but he opened his eyes and he could not see. He could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. And for three days he was blind. He did not eat or drink anything. Again, one of the most famous passages in the New Testament, one that you have heard about. We even use this term in everyday language. That person had a, a Saul to Paul conversion, a, a road to Damascus conversion. We, we, we say that all the time and we understand what it's talking about and it is an incredible passage. But I want us to look at the next 10 verses because I think we see there one of the clearest examples of what it means to get out of your comfort zone so that God can use you. And I'm encouraging you today, I want you to make that a resolution. I want you to make a priority in your life that you're going to take some steps, some steps to get out of that comfort zone that you're living in. God wants to use you in so many powerful ways. But yet, you hold on because I like it here. I, I, I like my faith here. This is comfortable. This is cozy. If I get out there, it's going to be messy. Yeah, it might be messy, but God wants to use you. What's more important, you being comfortable or God's kingdom? He's looking at you and me to step out of our comfort zone and be used by him for his kingdom and for his glory. So we're going to look at that today. I'm going to give you five clear steps of how you can get out of your comfort zone as we continue on in this passage. Again, the man's name is Ananias, and he's going to be the one we focus on now. And you may have read this passage but never thought about it from this perspective. But I think he gives us a great example of what it means to step out of our comfort zone. So the first thing I want you to write down there is expect to hear from God. And you may say, well, what are you talking about? Well, let's look at the passage. I'm going to read verses uh, 10 through 12. I have them there on the screen and in your notes for you to follow along. It says, now there was a disciple, a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, and he said, here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, rise up, rise and go to the street called Straight in the house of Judas. Look for a man of Tarsus named Saul, for behold, he is praying. And he has seen a vision. He has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. Well, as we look at this passage, and the first step, expect to hear from God. I want you to notice two things about Ananias. I want you, first of all, notice how he was living. The Bible says he was a disciple. Not one of the 12 disciples, but a disciple. A follower of Christ, just like you, just like me. He was not some superhero, super apostle. He was not some incredible pastor. He was just a simple disciple who lived a life reflecting Jesus Christ. 
Every one of you, you're living a life that's reflecting one thing or another. This man was a disciple. He was a follower of Christ. And I want to notice how he was living because that is very important when it comes to hearing from God. And I also want to notice how he was listening. Notice how when the passage says uh, Ananias, when the Lord calls him, he says, here I am, Lord. Immediately he responds to him. There was no confusion, no misunderstanding, no distraction, no stalling. The Lord was calling him. He knew it was the Lord. He immediately responded to him. And I say that because he was living a life that allowed him to hear God speak to him. I want to ask you, are you in a spiritual position where you can hear and understand God's voice? See, God may be speaking to you, been trying to speak to you all throughout 2017 for you to step out of your zone, to do something that he has for you. But you have not heard God's voice because you are not in a position to hear him. Why? Because of the way that you're living. You got unconfessed sin in your life. You've, perhaps you've become very comfortable with sin in your life. And I'm telling you, it's going to be hard to hear from God when sin is what's got you entrapped. Maybe you're not spending time in God's Word, spending time in prayer. You're just not in any kind of spiritual position to hear from God. God wants to use you. God wants to move you. You got to expect to hear from Him. And Ananias immediately responded when God called him. Immediately. He was ready. Put yourself in a position where you can hear God's voice and hear what it is that he has for you to do. The second thing I want you to see is how he embraced an uncomfortable situation. And if we're going to ever get out of our comfort zone, this is what we got to do. We got to embrace uncomfortable situations. I know some of you are already going, no, no, not going to do that. Why? Because it's uncomfortable. Well, that's the whole point. You need to get out of your comfort zone so God can use you. Look at this situation that Ananias was in as we look at uh, verses 13 and 14. The Bible says, but Ananias answered. Again, the Lord has told him to go to this house on Straight Street, the only straight street in Damascus, to the house of Judas, and go see this man named Saul. Who? Saul. Who? Saul, the persecutor of the church, the one who hated the church, the one who killed Christians. And the Lord says, go. And Ananias responds, just like a lot of us would. Lord, I've heard from many, not just from one, from many about this man and how much evil he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. I mean, I probably would have said the same thing a lot more strongly than that. Lord, have you lost your mind? I'm not going to talk to this man. He's the most evil man in the world when it comes to Christian faith. And you want me to go talk to him? And here, he has authority from the chief priest to bind all those who call on your name. Just stop and understand the situation that God has asked Ananias. And what is the situation that he's in and what he's asked Ananias to do. I want you to go and talk to the most evil man in the world when it comes to the Christian faith who has the authority to arrest you right where you are and take you back to Jerusalem. 
And I want you to understand that if we're ever going to embrace those uncomfortable situations, if we're going to step out of our comfort zone, this is real obvious, but you've got to be just like Ananias. You've got to face your fears. Because some of you are scared to death about going across the street to talk to your neighbor. Scared to death about talking to that coworker because you're, you're not sure how they're going to respond. You're not sure how they're going to take it. Listen, eternity hangs in the balance. Don't you think that's important enough? Let me give you a quick testimony about this. Um, this, this is true, what I'm about to tell you. It happened in my life. Um, in 1990, I quit playing the church game that I've been playing my whole life. And I gave my heart and life to Jesus Christ. And I was born again. It was the greatest decision, greatest day of my life. And as I began to grow in my faith, what long after I made that decision, we were attending a, a pretty large church in Spartanburg, and a lady came up to me about the age of my mama and said, Shannon, I've been watching you, and I want you to come join my witnessing team. And I'm like, what? You know, she said, yeah, I've been, I want you to join my witnessing team at that time in, in, church, in Southern Baptist churches. We were doing what's called CWT, Continuous Witnessing Training. And she said, I want you to be on my team. And I'm like, I don't want to do that. But she was pretty persistent. And I said, well, excuse, who else is on that team? Maybe somebody cool that I like. And it was another person, again, about the age of my mama. So this is two women, age of my mama, and they want me to be on their witnessing team. I didn't really want to do that. But guess what I did? I, she just wouldn't let me say no. She just, if you know Pat Vaughn, you'd understand why. She just would not let me say no. So I joined her witnessing team, and the way the program is set up is you, she's the person who recruits you is your mentor, and they kind of teach you how to share your faith. You have class time. You learn a kind of an outline of a presentation of how to share the gospel, kind of how to get into spiritual conversations, that sort of thing. And so we, we go out, and we had so many people visiting our church, we would just go visit the, the visitors, and we'd watch Pat. Here's how, she, here's how she does it. Well, as you go further along in the program, guess what? It moves from your mentor to you, where it's your turn it's your time to start the conversation, to have the conversation, and to find out where they are about Christ and to share Christ. So guess what? It was my, it was my day. All day long, I've been praying, dear God, if you are God in heaven, and if you answer prayers, answer my prayer, make sure no one is home to any of the houses we're going to see. <laughs> I, that's what I said. I'm, I'm being honest. Don't let anybody be in any of the homes we're going to visit. I'm scared to death. I don't want to do this. And so we go to church that night, and we pull, we get our, have our class time, and then we get in the car to find out where we're going to go, and Pat pulls out the slip, the person we're going to see, and of all the people in Spartanburg County, which is a large county, of all the people in Spartanburg County, the person that we're going to see on my night to share is my next door neighbor. Who, the previous conversation I had with him, all he talked about was how much he loved to drink beer and fish. That's about as far as we got in our conversation. And of all the people, we're going to see my next door neighbor. So as you can imagine, I, I prayed even harder as we, got, as we started moving. Dear God, please, dear God, take them to the mall, take them out to eat, I don't care. Just get them out of the house. I cannot talk to my neighbor. Do you realize how uncomfortable this is? And uh, prayed hard. We got there. 
and God answered my prayers, lights were off. I'm like, thank you, Jesus. All right, Pat, who else we need to see? Pat said, oh, no, 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 no. We need to go knock on the door and make sure they're home. I said, Pat, there's, there's no lights on. There's no porch light on. We might stumble and fall walking to their front door. She said, let's go. We get up there. I'm like, nobody's here. And she says, knock on the door. And I go, about like that. She says, no, knock on the door. So I knocked on the door. Nothing. I said, Pat, nobody's home. She said, knock again. I told you she's pretty persistent. So I knocked again. And guess what? Lights begin to come on. And I'm like, oh, great. I knew he worked third shift, and I just woke him up. This is going to be a great, great visit, you know? So when he comes to the door. I introduce myself to him. And he kind of remembers us having a previous conversation. And we come in. He invites us in. And he's kind of half asleep, but he starts to wake up. And then his wife comes out. She had been sleeping too. And a long story short, in the most simple way I could, I shared what it meant to be. I shared what it meant to be a follower of Christ. I gave my testimony, and I gave that simple outline of what it means to be a Christian. And there in their living room, on the worst day of my life, I thought, Bo and Sandy gave their hearts and life to Jesus Christ. And I realized, you know what? It's not about me, it's about him. And God had this incredible day planned out for me. And I was doing everything I could to stay in my comfort zone and not get out. But when you take that step, yeah, it's going to be fearful. But I want to encourage you, embrace those uncomfortable situations. God can use you in incredible ways. But I also want you to notice about Ananias that he had overcome his prejudice. I mean, here's a man that hated Christians, a man that he did not like. You know, it's easy to have a conversation with someone that's like you, that thinks like you, that acts like you. Much more difficult to have a conversation with somebody completely opposite of you. May have views that, are, that go against the teachings of God's Word. But you know what? We are to love all people. Love those that are lost. Love those that are different. We got to overcome our prejudice. I'm not talking about just race. I'm talking about prejudice of people who act and think differently than you do. People are like Bo and Sandy. They just need, they're waiting on someone to come talk to them about Christ. Are you going to get out of your comfort zone, embrace those uncomfortable situations, knowing that you got to face those fears that you have? You've got to overcome some prejudice that you may have in your life. And I want you to understand that God's commands do not always make sense. And I'm sure Ananias would have gave a mighty amen to that when, when the Lord told him, go talk to Saul. They don't always make sense, but they're always right. So you be obedient. That's what's important. You be obedient. The question I want you to think about with this step, when God asks you to do something that is difficult, that is unpleasant, I would even use the word messy. Are you going to give reasons why you can't do that? Or are you going to be obedient and step out of your comfort zone and do it? Yeah, listen, I'm, I'm saying up front, I'm not sure coding this. It may be difficult and it may be messy, maybe even unpleasant. But if what God's called you to do, he's going to do something 
incredible in, in and through you if you would just step out of that zone, embrace that uncomfortable situation. That's what Ananias did. So to step out of your comfort zone, expect to hear from God. God's trying to talk to you about something. Maybe you need to spend some time confessing that sin that you've got comfortable with in your life. Embrace those uncomfortable situations. That's what we have to do. And thirdly, exhibit obedience in whatever God calls you to do, in His commands that He gives you. Continue on in the passage as we look uh, about that verse 15, 16, and 17. But the Lord said to him, now again, Ananias has been talking about, Lord, don't you know who this man is? And don't you know how evil he is? And then the Lord responds to verse 15. But the Lord said to him, go. I want you to underline that word, go. Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry out, to carry my name before Gentiles and kings and children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. And then y'all underline verse 17, the first part. So Ananias departed and entered the house. Now again, the most evil man in the Christian faith at that time, Ananias is pleaded before the Lord. This is going to be uncomfortable. Lord, I don't want to do this. I don't want to go talk to this man. But guess what? The Lord said, go. He had to get out of his comfort zone, go, and then look at the last part. So Ananias departed and he entered the house. He didn't think about it. He didn't call a group of believers and have a prayer time about it. Lord said, go. So Ananias departed and he entered the house where Saul, the persecutor of the church, was. And I want you to understand how Ananias was just simply obedient. There was no, no um, um, like I said, no excuse for not going. He didn't, he didn't delay his response. He, he didn't go down to the, to the synagogue in Damascus and ask prayer about this and search the scriptures. No, the Lord said go and he went. He was obedient. Again, that's what's important to God. Not your comfort, but your obedience. And I also want you to notice just how immediate he was in his response. No distraction, no delaying, delayed obedience, no waiting. He, the Lord said, go. It's going to be an uncomfortable situation, but I want you to go. I'm going to be with you. And I love what pastor said last week, and he's right. No matter what situation you find yourself in, you always have the power and the presence of God with you. You know, I, I oftentimes forget when I gave my life to Christ, the scriptures teach that I was indwelt with the Holy Spirit of God. All-powerful Holy Spirit lives in me. He can give you the ability to do some difficult things. Ananias was obedient, and he was immediate in his obedience. He didn't delay as the Lord told him to go, and he went and entered the house where Saul was. And so my question for this step is, how do you respond to God's command when you're not sure how things are going to work out? See, that's the hard part. When you're not sure how things are going to work out and God's asking you to do something, maybe, maybe again, he's asking you to go talk to that neighbor. And that neighbor is like, 
not one of your favorite neighbors. In fact, you don't even like him. And you don't want to go do that. You don't know how it's going to work out. You don't know how he's going to respond, what it might, he or she might say. But you know what? It may be like a bow and Sandy waiting for somebody to tell them about Christ. How, how are you going to respond to the commands God tells you to do when you're not sure how things are going to work out? Look at him nice. He's walking into the house where the man that is the most powerful and evil person when it comes to the Christian faith, he is walking into the house, has no idea how things are going to work out. But he was obedient. He was obedient. He exhibited that obedience. Which brings us to the next step, which is encourage. Encourage those far from God with kindness. And I would even perhaps substitute the word engage. We've got to get out there and engage people that are far from Christ. And we need to do that in a way that would be effective. And that way is through kindness. And as I read this next few verses, uh, I see just a beautiful example of how Ananias did that. And he got out of the comfort zone. He's walking into the house where the man who was persecuted and killed Christians is awaiting him. And here's what it says beginning the last part of verse 17. It says, and laying his hands on him, he said, brother Saul, The Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road by which you came, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I think you need to underline laying his hands on him. That's the first thing that he did. And I've learned that through Ananias and I've learned over the years, there's nothing more powerful than a gentle touch. An appropriate touch of expressing your love and your care for someone. Now, I I love coming to church. I mean, I I get hugs all the time here at church. Somebody said, you need to have at least four hugs a day. I don't get four hugs throughout the week, but I make up for it on the weekend when I come to church. Because there's something about a touch, a gentle touch. Maybe it's a pat on the shoulder. Maybe it's a touch of the hand, a handshake. I want you to understand, the first thing that Ananias did was use the power of a gentle touch. He touched Saul, the persecutor of the church. He touched him. There's power in that. And I also also want you to see that he also used the power of a gentle word. What was the first word Ananias said to Saul? Do you all see it? brother, brother. His first word, brother. And I can only imagine with that gentle touch and that gentle word, that incredible encouragement Ananias is offering to Saul, I can only imagine how Saul's heart began to melt as someone was showing just how much they care for him. You know, all throughout Scripture, you, the word God talks about gentleness and being uh, gentle in how you live your life. And just a couple of verses real quick. It's not in your notes. Philippians 4, 5. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. 1 Peter three fifteen. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you 
for the reason, for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. You know, we have the hope living in us. As we prayed about that this morning, Brian talked about the hope that we have, hope that we have in Christ. That's what he wants us to share with others, to go and tell, but he wants us to do it in a way that's respectful and gentle. We don't need people going over and beating somebody over the head with a Bible. We need somebody with gentle touches, gentle words, general acts, generous acts that can be used by him. See, the Bible, and I've seen it, you see it all throughout Scripture, small, kind acts of obedience have great significance. Be gentle in how you live your life. Be gentle in how you engage, encourage people. And you'd be surprised just how powerful those small acts of obedience can be. Let me ask you a question. Who are those far from God that you can encourage with a simple, small act of kindness? You know what? Just like Saul, it'll melt the heart. If you start extending some just small acts of kindness to that person who's far from Christ, you know who they are. They're your neighbors. They're your coworkers. They're in your schools. You know who they are. What kind, of, what kind of small act of kindness are you going to do? Yeah, it's going to require you to step out of your comfort zone. That's not something that we do easily. We can do it to people that we like, but the people that we don't like or they're lost, that's a little bit harder to do. Step out of that comfort zone. Let God use you. Encourage those far from Christ. Engage with them. Engage with them with respect and kindness. Tell them about Christ. And then the last thing I want you to see is that he enabled others to serve. Again, look at Ananias in this incredible passage. And let me finish up reading the verses here. Verse 18, and immediately, he again, touched, he touched Saul. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes. He regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized. And taking food, he was strengthened for some days he was with the disciples at Damascus. And then verse 20 is an extra. And immediately he being Saul, now Paul, proclaimed Jesus in the synagogue saying, he is the son of God. So you see kind of the conclusion of this incredible conversion of Saul, the persecutor, to Paul, the church planter, the missionary. And Ananias was such a central figure in, in that. And as I look at that passage, I, I want you to understand that, notice, he rose up, he was baptized. Who do you think baptized Saul? Well, you would think, obviously, it was Ananias. And Ananias shows us that we have to serve people individually. I'm sure he baptized him, and I'm sure he also invited him back to his home because it said they gave him food so he could regain his strength to meet his physical needs. Again, it's one thing about telling someone. It's another thing about continuing to invest your life in them. And that's exactly what Ananias is doing. He's investing his life now into, into Saul, Paul. And he has got him, him to be baptized, gave him food to strengthen him up. He served him. But he also connected him with other disciples. The Bible says that for some days he was with the disciples, plural, at Damascus learning more and more about this new faith that he had. 
So my question for you right now is who are you investing in? Who, who's that maybe that new Christian that you are investing in to help them, to help show them ways they can serve, ways they, ways they can minister? Who is that person you're investing in, trying to connect them to the, to the body? Who are, who are you working on? Who are you working with? Or is it just, you know what, I, I don't have time for that. It's just not, it's not convenient for me. I, 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 I don't want to do that. My life's too busy. Again, you're making excuses and you're, and you're going back into your comfort zone. Step out of your comfort zone. Let God use you in a mighty, mighty way. So in closing, just a couple of things I want to run by you and we'll go home. And the first one is this. True life, true life begins at the end of your comfort zone. That's when you'll experience growth like you never have. That's where you'll experience the power of God working you in ways that you didn't think were even possible. But it's going to require you to take that step to get out of that comfort zone that you're living in. And the question I have for you is we leave and think about the upcoming year, what's going to be your first step? What is going to be your first step that you're going to take in 2018 to leave your comfort zone, to step out there so that you can be used by God. And as you think about that, I just wrote down some things that came to my mind, maybe some possible steps for you, simple steps, maybe that you need to take for the upcoming year. Uh, And they all begin with the letter S. I'm going to try to help you. I don't have this on the screen. This is extra, all right? But the first thing I want you to think about as far as taking a step out of your comfort zone in 2018, I want you to make a commitment to serve in our church. Serve. Write that down, serve. Listen, we have an incredible children's ministry, but guess what? They always need more volunteers. And what is more important than pouring into the life of a child and telling them about the love of Christ? And you may say, oh, I, I, I'm not good with kids. I, that's, just, that's just not me. Again, it's not about you, it's about him. Take that step out of your comfort zone and make a commitment to go back and love on those children. Or maybe the students. Hey, listen, it's rough being a middle schooler. You've been around some middle schoolers? It's rough. High schoolers? I see Jason Johns back there. He tells you some stories about some high schoolers too. They need some help. Maybe God's calling you to invest your time to go serve in our student ministry. Yeah, I, I promise you with middle schoolers, it's going to be messy. Okay? But go back there. Serve. Invest in the life of a student who may be having just a horrible time in school and how you can come along and encourage them to get through it. Serve in our adult ministry. Host team. I wish we had enough people out in our host team that when you pulled into the parking lot, somebody was there to shake your hand and help you. We don't have enough people serving on our host team. They're, they're, maybe your gift is music. Serving in our music ministry. There are so many ways to serve. Make a commitment in 2018. You know what? I, I'm, I'm not going to be a sit and soak Christian anymore. I'm going to go and tell. I'm going to engage with people. I'm going to encourage people. I'm going to serve. Number two, share. Share what Christ has done in your life. Share the love of Christ that you have to your neighbors, 
your coworkers, your families, your friends. You may not have some outline memorized, but you can tell somebody what Christ has done in your life. It's real simple. It's called your testimony. What Christ, how your life was before Christ, how you came to Christ, and how your life has changed because of Christ. No one can dispute that. No one can argue that. No one can say that's not true. It's a powerful, powerful testimony. Share it. Share it. Number three, show gentleness and kindness to those you work with, those that you live with, those that are in your circle of influence, and even people you meet each day. Show, show acts of kindness and gentleness to them. Number four, sign up. Sign up for a disciple life class. You know, we're going to start that after we do uprising, and it's going to be in a couple more weeks. You may say, well, you know, I don't like giving up my Sunday night. I like my Sunday nights. I, I like to watch the late NFL games. I like to, I like to rest. Hey, got to get out of that comfort zone. Man, we got some incredible classes that we're offering for you. Go by, stop by, sign up, give a commitment that I'm going to come on Sunday nights and I'm going to learn uh, more about my faith and grow more of my faith. Sign up for a Disciple Life class or connect to an ABF class, a journey group. Just sign up. Number five, start reading God's Word. Jeff's going to talk more about that in the weeks to come. Start reading God's Word. Start spending more concentrated time in prayer. More time in prayer, more focused time in prayer. Start coming to church more. Start tithing. I can go on and on and on, but just got to start. Make that commitment. You know what it is you have not been doing when it comes to your, to your walk. Number six, seek out. Seek out an outreach opportunity in this community. Seek out something that you can do. And you're going to be hearing a lot more about this in the days to come, how we're going to get focused on Fort Mill and for Fort Mill. You're going to hear a lot more about that. But find ways that you can serve in your community. Maybe even seek out ways that, that you can go on a two-week mission trip, short-term mission trip. It will change your life. Make that, make that commitment. And seven, and certainly not least, give your life to Christ. Some of you may be sitting there, you know what? You're not even in a comfort zone right now. You're in a danger zone. You've been living your life, trying to run your life on your own, and it's going nowhere. Sin has entangled you, as it says in Hebrews, and you're absolutely trapped. Your life is hopeless, helpless, and it will be without Christ. And maybe the, the first decision you need to make for the new year is to Get out of your seat, walk back there to the connect room and tell someone, hey, listen, I don't know what it means to know Christ, but I want to know. I want to know. Give your life to Christ. You cannot face this broken world that we live in without the hope of Jesus Christ. You can't do it. You can't do it. He is the answer for every problem that we have. Him. So I want to encourage you. I want to plead with you. Get out of your comfort zone in 2018. Take that step. Take that step. You know what it is you need to do. Get out of your comfort zone so that God can use you in unbelievable ways.